Well, test, test. I don't have my microphone yet, but hopefully I invest in a microphone so I can actually test the microphone to see if it's working. Uh, but we are here. Guys, welcome to the Embrace Matters of Race podcast. Um, I am Dom. You know me. Uh, I am joined by some of my friends here. I got Kelly Jane here. I got Carl and I got Jay. Uh, we are going to dive into a couple of things, actually. We got a couple of segments to get into. Um, so let's, let's get right into it, yo. Um, let's start with our shout outs. Um, did y'all get a chance to go to Wingbox and Seafood Company? No? You tell us about Man. it. Man, so uh, our, during our shout outs uh, segment, what we do is we, we shout out uh, some black owned business and or uh, volunteer efforts around the city here in Richmond. And Wingbox and Seafood Company, or Co., is a black owned business um, in Chesterfield. It's on Robius. Robius and Huguenot is the area, Robius and Huguenot. Uh, so if you live over there and you have not been to Wingbox and Seafood Co., go, please. My goodness. It was so good. Um, right now, you have to order online. So let me hit you to the game. You have to go online, put your order in, and then you have to specifically like pick a time that you want to pick the food up um, and also obviously have your mask. Uh, there is no like going inside and stuff like that. They bring the food out to you and they bring the food out. It is like a huge box. Like when they say wing box, <laughs> it is a huge box of wings and fries and, you know, macaroni and cheese and Goodness. Oh, yeah. goodness. So, Mac and cheese. So when I went, I got the two meats and two sides. I couldn't eat all of that. And I'm a big dude. <laughs> My wife got just one side and one meat. She got the shrimp. She, she loved it. And she's pretty like, it's, it's not easy to please her when it comes to shrimp. So she was impressed. Um, but she got the macaroni and cheese. The macaroni and cheese was bomb. Was bomb. Let me tell you, um, what else? Oh, um, so a friend of mine went, actually. I He had saw that I went because I took a picture of it. And it's, it's on the gram um, of me going there. And <laughs> um, he went the next day. And he was just going for lunch. He didn't. I didn't tell him that they had large portions. And he went for lunch thinking that, you know, he was like, let me get the you know, the three meats and two sides. Oh boy. And this man, <laughs> this man has so much food left over. He was like, Dom, I'm about to just drop off the rest of this food because I can't eat no more. So he dropped off the leftover food. Me and me and my wife ate lunch off of his leftover food. That is how much food they give you. And he only paid like 20, 22 bucks for all of that food. Great. Wingbox, Seafood & Co. If you have not been, you need to go. Man, I should be a rapper. Yeah, Dom, you miss your calling. Yeah, man. Also, shout out to uh, all the vegans out there. If you're a vegan listener or you are, I don't know, uh, watching your weight or what? I don't know, what, watching what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, watching dairy, that's a thing. That's trendy these days. Yeah, yeah, watching dairy. Yeah, I can't have dairy, but you know, uh, right I next. Watch what I, eat. I watch what I eat all the time. 
You know, that's why I eat with my eyes open. <laughs> Jay. Jay is here, y'all, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> He's here all day. Um, right next to Wingbox, it's actually connected to Wingbox. Oh, wow. uh, it's called Philly Vegan. And I actually got to meet the guy. Shout out to Sam, the owner, Sam there. Had a nice conversation with him about the pod and all that. And he told me that uh, Philly Vegan, and I guess Wingbox does too because they're kind of partners a little bit. Mm. But Philly Vegan especially, uh, every so often the owner will do pay what you can days where people from the community can come and pay what they can and get food. And I was like, wow, that is like, that's super awesome. Like, you know, if you're a listener, if you're a follower of the pod or whatever, or us, go check out Wingbox Seafood and Co. and check out Philly Vegan. Straight up. When you gonna go, Carl? Where am I going next week? Where are they again? I believe you. Uh, it's on. You know where um, <sighs> Robius and Huguenot is? Yeah. Like you're going to uh, James River High School. Mm-hmm. So Wingbox and Philly Vegan is is right next to the Brewster's Ice Cream. Gotcha. That Exxon gas station is. Yeah. It's over there. Solid. Actually, have to turn into the gas station like you're going to the gas station. Okay. Because it's part of a strip mall. Oh, it's a little tucked away back there. It is tucked away. It's a little tucked. It's a little tucked. So, for you listeners out there, if you're trying to go, it's a little tucked. Turn into the Exxon gas station. Okay. I made the mistake and turned into the wrong thing and got all turned around. Okay. Turn into the, I'm trying to do it so it's easy for you. Turn into the Exxon gas station. Wingbox, Philly Vegan. Um, but yeah, talking about all of that made me hungry. I haven't eaten dinner yet today, y'all. <laughs> uh, dope. We're moving on. What's going on? What's going on in the world, Kelly Jane? What is going on these days? Such a crazy world. Yeah, we uh, have to unfortunately get into it. Always something yeah. new. Let's get into it. The headline of this article that I will be talking to you guys about is Police Chief Believes Antifa Boogaloo Boys Were at Richmond Riot. So this was last Saturday. There had been a flyer that was circulating to invite pro- protesters to stand with Portland, and the invitation specifically invited violence. And um, it worked. Hundreds of protesters came. They marched from Monroe Park to the police headquarters and mm. windows. They set at least three different fires, including a dump truck on fire, which was evidently near a gas line. So wow. that could have been something. Um, but only six people were arrested. I say only. I was just surprised by the proportion of how many people were arrested. Four people for unlawful assembly, one for rioting with a firearm, and one for assaulting an officer. Um, apparently at the protest, people were throwing bricks mm. at the barmen who were trying to put the dump truck fire out. They were throwing batteries and rocks at police officers. But the kicker is that the mayor and the chief of police believe that it was the white supremacist groups like Antifa and the Boogaloo Boys that are responsible for mm. Oh, what was so, the source? Um, uh, 12, gotcha. <laughs> just the router number. <laughs> yeah. So local news, NBC 12. Yep. 
they're on your side. Wow. Sure so, hold up. The mayor and chief of police thinks that it was like Antifa and stuff like that, not like Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, they know that it was both, but for the people who were really um, instigating the violence, mm. another thing is that they knew that the flyer came from outside of Richmond. So mm. that doesn't necessarily confirm. Sleeper agents. But it, it could have been. Jeez. Yeah. Sleeper agents. That's wild. Like, yeah. it's crazy when it's... Because I feel like there's a lot of people that really don't like Black Lives Matter, don't understand Black Lives Matter. They don't, they don't like the saying or nothing like that. And I think that there's some people that's just like kind of confused about what it means. But then there, I feel like there's people that's like against it, against it. Like... <laughs> Like, I don't like no black people. That's why I'm against it, type against it, you know? So it's just kind of like, it's just, it's like not even fair at this point, man. It's like, geez. Yeah, I find it horrifying because they, being the white supremacist groups, are, they're just distracting what this is really about because you probably know that once property starts getting destroyed that's what people are going to be angry about and start focusing on and it's going to give black lives matter and associated groups a bad name and the boogaloo boys all of these groups like antifa and the neo-nazi what, what are they called the boogaloo boys boogaloo yeah it's basically like, like electric boogaloo that's exactly it yeah, yeah based off the movie in the 80s and they wear Hawaiian the Boogaloo is a dance so it came from a movie the Boogaloo came from breaking so breaking is a is a movie about break dancing okay breaking two electric boogaloo yes. is the sequel and the electric boogaloo is a dance like it's a dance style the boogaloo okay yeah yeah, yeah. we're on the same page yep so that's what they're named after it started with a meme and the idea behind the sequel, The Electric Boogaloo, is that they are trying to start a second civil war because they think that that is going to solve all of America's problems. Some people in that group, honestly, they just want to start violence so that both sides start shooting at each other and somehow that's going to fix things. So, so are they organized? That's what I was about to say, like the neo-Nazis, Antifa, Boogaloo Boys, they're all just these really loosely organized, they don't necessarily like authority, like they're anti-government groups, and so they don't have a hierarchy or a ton of organization. Honestly, I think a lot of it is just like spread through memes on Facebook, which is, again, another weird facet of living in 2020. So with the Boogaloo Boys, it's not about black lives matters or white lives matters or all lives matter like it's like they just don't like government period so they're just like anarchy is that their deal um yes i think it's probably a mixture of all three i know that there are black and hispanic members of boogaloo boys because they are the libertarian but then there are white supremacists also in boogaloo boys so it's just a mixture that's interesting. 
yeah. want to unpack that. Yes. We, we have we don't have the time to unpack it today, but we will eventually. Wow. Yeah. I have a I have so much to say, Carl, but I'm gonna keep it to myself right I now. I have nothing to say. I just I have lots of <laughs> questions that I'm pretty sure we don't have the answers to. Yeah. Lee. Okay. What well, is that? That was a heavy current events section. That was a heavy what's going on section. Is yeah, that it? I've got another if you guys want to go for it. I don't know if I can handle another. What about you, Jay? <laughs> I think one's good for now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, man, listeners out there, our what's going on segment, that's when Kelly Jane will give us some current events that we'll talk through. But that was enough. I mean, that that happened, what, last Saturday, Kelly Jane? Yep. On July got a, 2020. Wow. I got an email from VCU talking about all the damage that they had done. And I saw an edited version from somebody else on, on Instagram where they inserted um, writing suggesting edits for VCO about the impact of the damage. Uh, it was very the, interesting. Impact, the, the original email just talked about the property and the edits talked about the people. Mm. That's constantly the fight with riots and property damage. What are you more angry about? Are you more angry about windows getting smashed? Are you angry about why people are rioting in the first place? Yeah. Because right, the value. I feel like since we have sleeper agents on the scene, we even have to be smart about how we protest. Mm. We have to be smart about how we move forward because there's people that's trying to uh trying to just sicken in the movement. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'll leave that there until we dig into it in some time. I feel like at some point we'll have an episode where we'll dig into these things, but I'm gonna just leave it right there. I feel like, you know, if you're a listener out there, <clears throat> first of all, be safe. I'm not, I'm not here to tell nobody not to do anything or protest or whatever. You wanna protest, go protest. Um, but make sure you know why you're protesting. Make sure you're connected and grounded with the reason of why you protest. You know, uh, have it settled in your heart of why. Um, and make sure you're not going alone, you know. Um, don't go out there alone. Make sure you have an escape route just in case things get crazy. Um, make sure you wear comfortable shoes because you might have to run. <laughs> uh, just make sure you know you have the proper gear. Make sure you're dressed appropriately. You know what I mean? Your like, pants my, up. right? Make sure your pants is up. You know, my my grandparents told me about that. It's like, man, you can't go to no protest wearing that. <laughs> you can't. You can't go to a protest and look cute. I just want you to know, like, you you're gonna be looking bummy. Um, but yeah, just just make sure that you you know if you're uh, if you're someone that you're like, man, I want to protest. I want to be out there with the people. Make sure you have a grounded reason of why. Maybe make sure you know. Uh, because there's obviously there's people out there, there's sleeper agents out there that's there for evil and not for good. So that's unfortunate. <sighs> well, um, that brings us to our main squeeze. Uh, you like that? That's a, that's our main topic segment uh, mm -hmm. that we call the main squeeze because we're the Embrace Podcast. It's our main Aww. squeeze. <laughs> main squeeze. Everybody give yourself a hug. 
Give yourself a hug when we go into this one. <laughs> you, might hug. Hug. you might need that hug. Uh, our main squeeze of the day is white privilege. Uh, and let's, let's just let's dive right in, y'all. What is it? What is white privilege to y'all? Before we get to our Facebook answers, what is white privilege? I, I see white privilege as a form of favoritism and the assumption of that favoritism, whether it is apparent or um, something a little bit more subconscious. And uh, those, th those favoritisms um, where they receive favor, uh, specifically white people or even people who could uh, appear wider or um, air quotes, you know, have more of a fair complexion, um, receive benefits or perks or uh, receive uh, the better part of a service or a reaction, whether it's from an institution, a business, friends, even in close relationships with family or even from the police. And uh, we see a lot of events that happen, same event. And whether it's a white person or a black person, you'll see the, the white person or what we've known to be the, the event with a white person, they'll have a better outcome than with a black person. It could be totally innocuous. Um, but the outcome is is not the same for both. Mm. I feel that. <clears throat> what do you think it to be, Kelly Jane? Yeah, I think you did a great job, Carl, with talking about all sorts of aspects of it. I think white privilege is the ability to live in a bubble in society and not even realize that you live in a bubble. I think white privilege is kind of like pride, like the Bible talked about pride being a necklace and white privilege does that. Like it, it gives you the ability to assume that everybody lives the same way that you do and they don't. Mm, yeah, I've seen recently um, some of my white friends just open up about their white privilege and it was merely a well, it was, it was really just a, a confession. It was like, yeah. they, they grew up within a community where they knew black people and these black people happened to be in the church. Um, and they recognize that they have it good. They don't see the people that are suffering. They don't see the, the impact of the, of their blackness of their friends, even within the church. They just right. seem to think that um, this is what they said. They said that the struggle that their friends have, they don't see because they had it so good growing up. Mm -hmm. And what you just mentioned, Kelly James, that reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think it to be, Jay? Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, pretty much agreeing with everything Carl and Kelly Jane already said, but just to I mean, just a quick definition uh, from my perspective, it's, it's special privileges or treatments you've received simply because you were born white. And because of the, you're, if you're white, there are certain privileges or benefits that you have that 
people who are black uh, or Hispanic or, or other minorities would not would not have. Right, right. I get that. And, you know, a lot of these Facebook posts, you know, I, I like to post on, on social media to kind of gauge our uh, people that I know and gather information. Um, my question was, what does white privilege mean to you? And what are your questions about this subject, if you have any? And we got a lot of the same things you guys already said. You know, white privilege means enjoying um, treatment in all things in society, job opportunities, relationships, education, uh, based solely on appearance versus demonstrated character. Uh, this person said, I and white people at large get the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. I like to pin that, the benefit of the doubt about being trustworthy, honest, kind, brave, and more things that assume superiority to other identities. Uh, and that's just one, you know, uh, a lot of it, a lot of them said, um, some of the things I want to pull out is that one person said, um, brought attention to one person used the word inherited. And they, and this person said, I, you know, like, person said, I have inherited opportunity. Um, and bringing attention to inherited, um, what's important to me and what's important, I would say, will be important to this podcast is that we look and pay attention to history. We can't just pull stuff out the air, you know, and we can't just look at ourselves and where we are or just our story. I have to look at history. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I mean, the truth is in history. It's just like, this is what happened. And, you know, the truth is, this country was built on the, black, the back of slaves. Slaves, slave trade, slave labor benefited white people mm -hmm. for countless years. <laughs> They've benefited them in this country. So anything that happens, you know, now, even after, you know, black people were uh, free, there was still um, things to hold black people, things to hold African-Americans back, right? Those things that held people back benefited white America. So now we're looking at the repercussions of, or, or at least the, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at the, the things that you've gained from all of this, this history, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and this person using the word inherited is like, man, that, that resonates because it's like, wow, like this, this generational wealth has come down to me. Um, but I want to get into the other side of the coin because it's important for me to discuss both sides and we can talk about that a little bit too. There's some people that feel this way. They feel like, well, I don't like white privilege or I don't like hearing that. That makes me angry because when I think about my life, my life has been hard. You know, yeah. I grew up without opportunities. I want to get into um, an, another message that I had. Um, this person said, um, I don't really see white privilege from my perspective. When I went to college, I saw an elite privilege um, as I had been treated as less than others. You know, uh, this person is white. Uh, 
and they said it was very, it was a very like white upper middle class school, but you know, I was just an average middle class American. Um, and you know, those, he said that, you know, so many kids had jobs lined up for them, you know, after college to go to work at their parents were successful business owners, stuff like that. And this person didn't have those opportunities. Therefore, this person doesn't understand white privilege or, you know, they don't see it. They don't see it in their life. Mm-hmm. Right. If we're talking about opportunities, there, there's something there, would you say? Like not every, not every white person has opportunities afforded to them. Is that a true statement? Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of different types of privileges in the world. Um, for instance, I have a gluten allergy. So all of you guys that don't have gluten allergy, you have gluten privilege. <laughs> like you can walk into a Panera and get a bagel and that is something I will never get to do. And it makes me really sad. That's a type of privilege. So yes, in that case, like she may not have had um, elite upper middle class privilege. Um, I definitely think just because you're white doesn't mean that the complete everything is handed to you on a silver platter. But I feel like just in the first three words or four words, when I was in college, five words, mm-hmm. that alone is like, that's privilege. privilege. Like, yeah, you had privilege in order to get to go to college. So, yeah. yeah. To your point, uh, specifically about the, the opportunities. And when you said, like, because they were in college. If you take the the lens on a people, so if you go to say for instance like Braddock, Pennsylvania, which is like a hugely struggling town um, mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, and this is all white people, and they had their own caste system of some sort, but it was a it was a middle class working industrial town in Pennsylvania, and I'm pretty sure the, the heads of the corporations that ran the industries there were seen as you know high class the the top of all that and then the people on the bottom and people that went to school you know were were pretty lucky but if you zoom out a little bit there's other places in pennsylvania there are other places in this country where people aren't really afforded a lot in comparison to that small town there are towns in mississippi where it's just black people none Mm. of them go to college None of them are afforded any of those opportunities. They they work or they don't work, uh, and it's just that's just the mix. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's really how you approach it. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone also uh, sent me a message talking about the word privilege and being desynthesized to it. But I'll get into that after Jay. Jay, you got something? Yeah, basically to comment on that. Um, First off, on the gluten uh, privilege, uh, Kelly Jane, you know, I've had those bagels at Panera. You're not missing much. The Asiago cheese, are you kidding me? <laughs> the Asiago, though? Yes, I love that one. Uh, I just think I must say. Um, but anyways, I'm hungry. So, so just with a comment on, on regarding the whole, like, you know, my life's been hard. I don't see the white privilege thing because my life's been hard. You know, I think the idea here with white privilege, at least from my understanding, is that it's not meant to, to deny the fact 
that your life was hard or denied the challenges that you may have gone through in your life. It's basically just stating that there are certain privileges or certain benefits you've been able to experience, or maybe certain things you haven't had to experience simply because of the color of your skin. And that, you know, yes, okay, your life is hard. And okay, I, I'm, 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 I'm empathizing with you on that. And I'll, okay, I'll agree with you on that. But think about how much harder it may, it, it may have been had you been black. Yeah. Or even for, for people to see like, or because I feel like, like I said, the word privilege may be, you know, the sting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then I guess, would it sound better if you said, you know, if the statement was, your experience in this country will always be better because of the color of your skin. Better, or, better than it would be if you were not white. Right. Maybe not like, I don't know if we could definitively say that every white person has a better experience than any other black person, but yeah. yeah. Which I would struggle to say that it's the same. It, it seems very similar. It would, yeah. No, you're wrong. I experienced this, this, and this. And right. Or how's that better? Right. Or you could like you know, um, people also seeing like, oh well, if this was my experience, I can only imagine what my black counterpart's experience is. Yeah, you I know? have an illustration of that if I could share. Um, I mean, I, not that I have an illustration of what it would be like if I were black, because I can only imagine, but this is just what I think of when I hear people coming back with like, well, my life, I've still had to work really hard for things just because I'm white. It doesn't mean I didn't work hard. And just because I'm white, it doesn't protect me from horrible things happening to me in my life. Yeah. Um, but a situation for me happened um, my senior year of college my apartment was broken into and there were circumstances involved in that that made it incredibly traumatic. Mm. Um, I've, yeah, I had years of therapy to work through it. Um, and that's something I can point to and say that was really hard. Like that is something most of my friends have not experienced anything close to. However, had I been black, it would have been so much harder because I was able to call the police immediately. Had I been black, I might not have trusted the police. I might not have been believed by the police. I might have been fearful. What if I call the police and the perpetrator is black and then they shoot him and that's on my conscience. Mm. If I were black, wow. I would not have had the support that I have for my family to get counseling. I might not have the income in order to afford counseling. Things that my I have been able to get through this experience by the grace of God and by a lot of privilege. Yeah. Um, and if I were black, it would have been a very different situation. So I think it's so important to empathize with people when they're they're telling you that their life has been hard. Like validate those experiences. But I think it is just that extra step of empathy of okay, but what if? Well, right. Which brings me to my next question. Uh, is it a privilege to be black? Yes. 
Well, for different reasons. I, okay. you know, I'm with you, Carl. Hold on, hold on Carl. We together on this, okay? When I get this question. He's like, you have to agree with me. Come on. No, no, I'm serious, bro. Like, like, if you're a listener, I am as black as the ace of spades. I love being black, and I wouldn't trade it in for the world. Okay, like, I love it. Like, I, I you know, it has its moments, but I wouldn't change it for nothing. Okay, so is it a privilege? I thank God to be black. Like, yes, it's a privilege right but for different reasons like i feel like if the lottery went out and the person was like would you choose to be black or white i wonder what the poll would be you understand what i'm saying yeah if we if we this is interesting sorry for that what privileges do you get being black yeah i have a couple thoughts so in the lottery aspect if we were void of color and we knew what the 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 black and the white experience was like on the other side oh, of that lottery. Come on, Carl. And we were issued our ticket. It's like, here's your ticket. You've won the lottery to enter this new realm. Will you take it if you're going to be a black person with the black experience? Mm -hmm. um, and to your initial question, is there is it a privilege to be black? I would say yes. I would say it's not exactly a privilege to have the black experience that we know in our country right now. Mm. Well, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. It's not a privilege to have the black experience, but it is a privilege to be black. Wow. Mic yeah. Carl is the master of the mic drop. <laughs> There it is. Well, I asked that question because it's like when you start thinking about the privileges that are allotted to either black people or white people, if, if you're listening out there, think about that for a second. Like, what privileges are allotted to black people? You, you can just say the N word. Like, that, that's the only one that comes to my mind. <laughs> like, and that's not, I mean, you can say it if you want to. I mean, in the comfort of your own home. If that's how you feel if that's if it that if it means that much to you um you know like i don't know you understand rap music i mean, you know these are stereotypes i'm thinking about like i don't mm -hmm. know like i don't really know what necessary what what privileges come with everything that i think of are stereotypes mm -hmm. other people have rhythm black people aren't the only ones that have rhythm <laughs> oh like <laughs> um yeah i was thinking um, there was this documentary I watched a while ago about the American dream and this mm. really wealthy family in the sixties, um, invited two or three black high schoolers over to dinner to interact with their children because that was probably the only interaction with black people they were going to get. And they wanted them to be exposed to black people, I guess. And so, um, one of the kids was saying everyone thinks that because you're black, you're cool. And like, why do I have to be cool? What if I don't want to be cool? What if I want to be something else? So I feel like a privilege you could argue is that people think you're cool automatically if you're black, but strings. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I like to think that I'm pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's it's a it's like a flavor of the counterculture that usually comes around around being black. 
I think as soon as we had some sort of privilege, we just made it different uh, because we couldn't have it the same way that white people did. Right, right. I think there's there's a certain level of appreciation for the struggle. You know, I I think that if if black people didn't have to struggle, um, let me choose my words carefully. But if black people didn't have to struggle, well, let me say it like this: I think that black people have overcome a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just say that, like African American people, black and brown people have overcome a lot of things, and that's something that fills me with admiration and gratefulness and it kind of teaches me who I am like it kind of gives me a perspective of what I'm capable of you know um, it's I guess this it's, it's, a, it's a part of my identity you know I, I feel like God is a bigger portion of my identity now mm-hmm. uh, but it is I, I do feel like my blackness is is a part of that identity too um, and when when I think about those things, I have to I have to think about the struggle that Black people have come through, and it is weird to say. I would say yes, it is a privilege to be Black. Um, it's it's bittersweet though, because my history isn't particularly nice. <laughs> um, but I, hopefully, our listener, you know, if you're listening, think about the duality of that of like, you know, white privilege, but would it be a privilege to be black? I think that's a, that's a question to answer. Would it be a privilege to you to be black? And if so, what would you be gaining? Because you would also be, you'd be gaining the struggle too. <laughs> so there's that. Um, those are my final thoughts on that. Now, drum rolls, ladies and gentlemen. Carl, edit that in later. <laughs> <laughs> drum roll, ladies and gentlemen. We have... Jay Liverman with the hit picks. The more things change, the more hearts and minds stay the same. That's my <laughs> that's my quote for you guys today. The more things change, the more hearts and minds stay the same. What do you think that means, Kelly Jane? Thoughts? I think it means that, well, I'll just go real deep. I think it means that human nature is innately at its core fallen and sinful. And so even as the world changes around us, technology changes, cultural expectations change, but our hearts and minds, they stay the same. I love, I love passing the ball to Kelly Jane because she, <laughs> she always makes it when she shoots. <laughs> <laughs> She's always right. <laughs> about these issues on race and uh, yeah so whether it's gonna be music movies books uh, just different forms of uh, art you know that's what we're going to showcase here today I wanted to talk a little bit about about film and you know one element I think of the whole uh, idea of white privilege is that really this culture that we're in is a predominantly you know white culture that you know is that's that's the majority race here so a lot of the perspectives of 
filmmakers and, and the films that they make are going to come from a white person's perspective mm-hmm. because there are more white directors in Hollywood. Right. And so, um, and so then, you know, you, you see these films about race, you see these films about the struggles of African Americans and uh, that are made by white directors. And so, you know, like they could, they could, go, they could still be good movies. Like for instance, like in the heat of the night or green mm-hmm. book or driving miss Daisy or, right. you know, um, you know, the help, you know, these, these movies can be good, but, there's still something that's lacking in regards to truly capturing the, the struggles of African-Americans in these films, that it doesn't paint the, the most authentic portrait, if you will. Um, you know, and so my, you know, I think that's, that's where it is where we can, as, you know, as white people can really just gravitate towards some of these films on race mm-hmm. and then really just feel like it's a, it's a heartwarming message and and really feel good inside after you know these this white person this black person uh have these uh, you know are at odds with one another uh the white person's racist and then all of a sudden learns these stories uh, about the struggles that you know the black person goes through and then uh changes in some way uh and and even you know some movies even propose this whole uh motif of the white savior where it's like the you know this this white man or white woman uh, coming to somehow rescue or uh, uh, yeah. help the, uh, you know, whether it, it be a black person or maybe even a Native American person or, or somebody of another race. Um, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's like all these different ideas where it's, 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 it's a warm, almost like a, a maybe too much of a, a warm and fuzzy type message to, to, to not really get raw, uh, to really not get enough into the authentic experience that, that, that truly African-Americans have gone through. Mm. That I think you'll have a better idea of being able to understand that through watching films made by African-Americans. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you, know, re, you, know, re, you know, I think that's the thing is that I would encourage, you know, everybody out there who is white, uh, to to really go after seeking out films that are made by African Americans to really try to see things from, from from their perspective and 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 look through their lens when it comes to to their view of the world mm. and uh, specifically I want to highlight uh, one of my favorite filmmakers he's fantastic he's been around for the last you know thirty five years mm-hmm. and. Uh, it seems like his films just age like wine, and yeah. that is the the one and only Spike Lee. Come on, Spike! Yes, so uh, hopefully one day we'll get him on this podcast. And uh, Spike, if you're listening to this, we we love you. We want you on the show. All right. So I, I think that it's interesting that I do feel like his films have garnered a better reputation as time has gone on, and I think the critics have appreciated him more and more. I think at first, I think they uh, were not, you know, I guess taken back a little bit by his, like his, his style, with, which is, uh, I would say, it's aggressive, it's raw, it's, uh, it's, it's, it can be blunt at times, it could be, it's, it could be in your face, but I think it's the point. It's mm-hmm. the point, you know, it's his point. I'm really trying to get, you know, uh, really showcase the challenges and the, the struggles of African-Americans. And uh, specifically, I mean, Do the Right Thing, 
is one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. And I think it's got a, uh, it basically tells the story of, you know, uh, you know, one day, 24 hours in, in the heat of summer, uh, and in, in, a, in, a, in an area of, uh, Harlem, New York, I believe in Bed-Stuy. Bed-Stuy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so basically it just, and then it, it shows different races interacting. Uh, it's a predominantly African-American neighborhood, but it has different races interacting with one another. And it's got an amazing montage sequence where, uh, the, you know, a person of, 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 of a race will then have this, uh, you know, just tirade directly to the camera that is just full of obscenities towards and stereotypes, uh, towards uh, a particular race of people and just trying to offend them and, and just all the different negative things they could say. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a montage of several different people. And I think it's a really phenomenal moment in the film where it just showcases the hatred that is just permeating, uh, within, within all people. And, yeah, and it's kind of abstract. Yeah. It creep, into, about it. It creep into all of humanity. And, uh, and really, that's what ends up, you know, in a sense, that what ends up happening. It's like it's all under the surface, and then, a, then a, let's say a tragic incident happens that then really just ignites a fire uh, within the uh, within that all the characters. And so, um, but I think it's a really phenomenal and groundbreaking film. And I think people who are questioning, you know, why would why would people, uh, you know, riot? You know, why would people, uh, you know, break windows? Or why would people do that? I think people would ask questions like that. I think would benefit a lot from watching this movie. I think it would provide some great uh, insight into this matter. And uh, it was very relevant uh, to this day, even 31 years later. Uh, another one of his films that is on uh, Netflix is Malcolm X. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people on Netflix, so it might be the easier one to access right now. But Malcolm right. X, and, and, and uh, you know, it's a great, great biopic. You know, growing up, I didn't, I, I learned very little about Malcolm X. I just learned he was a contemporary uh, Martin Luther King, but he was the angry one. Absolutely. That was basically it. He was yeah. the Magneto to Martin Luther King's uh, Professor X. Wow, that's an interesting, interesting. Uh, that's that's who they were based off of. What really? Yeah. Wow. I was 32 years old when I learned this information. Thank you. <laughs> I was. Wow. Uh, man, that's crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just a powerful film that really sheds light on, on the life of Malcolm X. Um, mm-hmm. Very long movie, but it's really worth it. You just are able to look like really, it's really informative, it's really educational. It then goes as well to the experience of, of African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting too, uh, how they had uh, quotes from Malcolm X's, uh, one of Malcolm X's speeches uh, over the opening credits while they showed clips of Rodney King getting uh, beaten, the video footage of Rodney King mm-hmm. getting getting beaten by the police officers, which because this was very relevant in 1992. And it has, in my opinion, one of the absolute best performances of all time in Denzel Washington as Malcolm X. I would personally rank it in my top 10 uh, best performances ever. Uh, A complete Oscar snub there. uh, And, uh, but I do think it's highly, highly worth uh, the watch. And so uh, check it out. I want to give you all, I want to give all white people out there the Spike Lee Challenge. Hashtag, hashtag Spike Lee Challenge. I want you to watch a Spike Lee movie. Just open your eyes up and try to see things from a perspective that's not your own. Try mm. to see things from the African-American perspective. 
and, uh, and the struggles of African-Americans through perspective of an African-American filmmaker. And don't say, I'm gonna watch Inside Man. Mm -hmm. All right, so, okay, I know people people like Inside Man, but no, 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 I'm talking, to, don't go for that one. That's like the big budget. It is a good movie. Hollywood. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's that's like the, yeah, the heist, the thriller movie, but, but go for the actual like raw uh, movies that go into these issues, uh, like a Do the Right Thing, like a Malcolm X, like a Bamboozled, like a Black Klansman. Check those movies out. They're really great. And, and you won't be disappointed. Oh, man. Hi. Thanks, Jay. That's awesome. Your hit picks are awesome. Uh, if you're listening out there, the hit picks segment, you know, saying Jay will always come with uh, something like that, uh, some stuff for you to go back and listen up on or watch or read. Um, it's a great way to educate yourself. And, all, you know, it's also enjoyable, too. Uh, so, yeah, hit picks, Spike Lee Challenge. You heard it from Jay first. Let's go. Touchy subjects. And I know there's some people that uh, want to be allies, consider themselves allies of uh, the black struggle. And I applaud you. I, I, you know, I would say, you know, continue to, to push forward, continue to break out of bubbles, break out of barriers, you know, uh, and, and do your best to really uh, love your neighbor like you have been, continue to. Um, there may be listeners out there that's like, man, I'm not doing anything, but what, what can I do? Or how can I better do it? Um, you know, my, my words aren't enough. My words don't change hearts. But God's words does. You know, if you listen to God's word and you do it, you know, you actually put it into practice, it has the ability of changing things. If we're, ta if we're talking about how am I to change my community? I can't go with my words. So it's important for me to encourage you guys, encourage you on your journey of changing the world. That's what you want to do. You want to change the world. You want to change the world. Start with your community. Or even better yet, start with yourself. Push yourself to doing more. Okay, that has to do with encouraging your community and your neighbors. I'm going to read this passage. It's Philippians 2. If you saw my live, I keep referencing it, but if you saw my live, it's, it's the same passage that I read out. Um, and it's still the same challenge. It's still the same charge. Okay, uh, th this is what it's about, you know, when it comes to people that's around you. Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And I want to highlight rather in humility, value others above yourself. That's what's going to end racism. That's what's going to spread love instead of hate. Is we have to humble ourselves and we have to value our neighbors, people around us above ourselves. 
we have to look into someone else's interests. We have interests. I know we, I have interests. Everybody has interests. But we have to take a second to think about, man, what is the person next door? What is their interest? What is their life like? Sometimes it's quite literal. Maybe you live next door to some people who you don't know that may be completely different, a different race or whatever. It doesn't even have to be black and white. A different race, period. We have a, there's actually Richmond, I would say, is pretty diverse, right? There's a lot of people that you live next door to that's different from you. What are their interests? Look into their interests. What is their life like, right? We have to start somewhere, and that's where we should start, looking into the interests of the other person. It may seem like something small, but it's bigger than what you think. And what my charge is, my encouragement is, try that. Okay, meet your neighbors. You may already know your neighbors, but, you know, I mean, it's COVID, you can't do too much. But, um, you know, you can buy your neighbor some Krispy Kreme donuts and leave it on their doorstep. I did that. There you go. <laughs> you know, uh, do something for your neighbors. You know, actually, Krispy Kreme does um, these things where you buy a dozen and you get a dozen free. You can give the free dozen to your neighbor. That's what I did. Sponsored by Krispy Kreme. Just Shout out to Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme want to sponsor us. I'm with it. Like, <laughs> okay. Shout out to Krispy Kreme on here. But I actually did that, and it actually forced a, a deeper relationship with my neighbor. You know, like she was able to think, like, man, this is Dom's character. This is what Dom's character is like. So when a situation happened, I'm not going to get into it right now. When a situation happened, she was like, well, no, I know how Dom is. Why is this person treating Dom differently? You know, it may be because of the color of his skin or whatever, but she's like, no, I know Dom. Well, my charge is, man, you're not going to know the people that you're trying to help unless you invest into their interests. You have to start there. So that's our time, y'all. Thank you guys for listening. If you are a listener or a follower, thank you guys for your support. I, I never want to leave an episode without shouting you guys out and thanking you guys. Thank you so much. You don't have to listen to this podcast. You could probably care less about it or whatever, but you chose to listen to it, especially if you made it all the way to the end. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. It, it means so much to me. You know, I'm just, I'm just a guy with some friends and we want to make the world a better place. So thank you guys. Thank you.